Peter Stone. I'm Peter. And I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world. So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way. This week we're back in Switzerland talking to Geraldine Fasnack, who represents the ultimate in action-packed travel. She's an extreme freeride snowboarder, microlight pilot and skydiver. Geraldine's idea of a little light adrenaline-fueled recreation is to climb one of Europe's highest peaks and then dive off it in a wingsuit at speeds of up to 180 kilometres per hour. We caught up with her on the ground at her home in Verbier. Geraldine, you live your life in the mountains that you love, where you explore the very limits of the laws of gravity. Where did this love affair with mountains, speed and danger begin for you? Okay, nice. Nice introduction. Thank you. (laughs) It all begins because my parents are really good skiers. They love skiing and they have been skiing forever in Verbier. And they brought me every weekend, every vacation here in Verbier. And it's where I've learned to ski when I was two years old. Oh, that's very young too. <laughs> yeah, but in Switzerland, it's uh, it's not uh, such a surprise because like three three quarter of our country is full of mountains, and everywhere we we can we slide. So it's kind of common to as soon as a baby can can walk, he start to slide. <laughs> so your relationship with the mountains started at a very early age. And then you went on to become an extreme snowboarder. You won the uh, Extreme de Verbier three times. Exactly. And then after that, you did Freeride World Cup, I think? Yeah, actually, at the real beginning, when I did the Verbier Extreme, when for the first time, the, Verbier, the Freeride World Tour was not existing. So the tour started right after. So I, did ma- I was part of the tour as well. And I made uh, eight years uh, of competing on a high level and had 11 titles on the Freeride World Tour and three times a very extreme on a snowboard. I started snowboarding when I was eight years old. And this was for me a, a real beginning of something. I find a, a real passion for the mountains and I really wanted to make it and to go further with my snowboard to, to ride new lines on mountains. And it's really why I started to learn how to behave in the mountains because of my snowboard. So when did you first fly? That was a big dream since I was a kid to be a pilot. That was an impossible dream for me because it was a lot of money to to be able to be a pilot one day. So I started to think a little bit and I thought maybe I I need to be part of the army and I can get the license for free. (laughs) But that didn't work out because I asked to be part of the army too late. And so... I decided to see if one day that could be possible to fly. So before I was uh, starting to be an ultralight pilot or a pilot, I started skydiving because one of my colleagues, when I was working for Suisseur at Geneva Airport, she was a skydiver and she brought me into skydiving and I just loved it. And I just didn't want to stop. But my goal was to combine my love for the mountain with skydiving so starting base jumping and after two full years of skydiving 300 jumps from the plane i started base jumping can you just explain to us for those who don't know what base jumping is 
Base jumping is uh, starting from uh, a fixed object. So when you jump off a building, an antenna, span or earth. In Switzerland, we are full of mountains. So most of the object I'm jumping off, uh, it's from earth, from, from mountains. But I did a few buildings and a few antennas <laughs> uh, to complete my base jumping career. <laughs> so how do you learn base jumping? To learn base jumping, I would say the best way is to have a solid experience into skydiving or uh, also flying into wind tunnel. Now the wind tunnel are all around the world. You can fly into a tube indoor. And this is also a really good way to learn how to fly with your body. And base jumping, it's so quick. Everything has to be perfect. So you cannot learn how to jump when you base jump. So that's why I did 300 skydives before my first base jump. But this is not the perfect package. And sometimes people need more. Sometimes maybe people need a bit less. But I will rather say jump more as much as you can before you base jump. And when you're base jumping, do you have a parachute? Yes, you're wearing a parachute uh, on your back. And then depends which object you are jumping off. You have um, sometimes really short jumps, sometimes longer jumps. Then you can add a wingsuit on your body and then you can fly longer. And it's the same from a plane. You can jump with or without wingsuits. Well, I was just going to say about wingsuits, because that's something that you, you now do a lot of. How do you learn to wingsuit? Because there's no room for error, is there? No room at all. How do you possibly <laughs> do that first jump? You have to jump first from plane one day it's with also a good experience from skydiving. We are actually now having some rules like for small wingsuits, you have to have 150 jumps without a suit. Then you can fly the small wingsuits that are kind of easy to fly and you can have troubles and it's not a big trouble to handle. And then to fly the big wingsuits, you will have to have at least 250 skydives before you can fly with the big wingsuits. And now there is a wingsuit tunnel indoor in Stockholm. So it's also possible to fly indoor, really safe with an instructor next to you. So this is also a really good way to learn how to, to wingsuit. So what are wingsuits made from? The wingsuits are made from tissue, the same tissue that we use for the paragliders. We're trying to be as light as possible because we have to carry our gear on our back when we walk on top of the mountain. And we have to carry also the parachutes and the harness. So it, it makes a, a heavy bag. The backpack can be up to eight to ten kilos if we go to big mountains we need to take with us also a lot of mountain gear crampons ice axe ropes uh, food water so it makes a heavy bag and how fast how many kilometers an hour do you go when you're in a wingsuit what's the fastest you travel at so now there is a lot of different types of wingsuits, uh, but the wingsuits I really like is called the Aura. And the Aura is flying uh, fast forward at 160 kilometers per hour. And it's going down approximately at 40 kilometers an hour vertically. But if I really go deep and I push my head down, I can go steeper and faster to 180 kilometers per hour. And then I can slow down my flight before I pull my parachute. This is exactly what I do. I gain some speed, then I brake. And when I brake, I'm nearly not falling at all. And sometimes if the conditions are really good, I can also go a little bit higher and not fall at all. 
And then I pull my parachute because now the wingsuits are getting so much pressure into the wings that if you don't dive and stop your, your flights and lose the pressure into your wings, it's really hard to get to your handle to open your parachute. So this is also things that we have to adapt with the new generation of the wingsuits. When you release the parachute, how close to the ground are you? Not below 200 meters above the ground because I really like to have time to unzip my wingsuit and break my canopy, check the landing. Uh, most of the time I know from which side is coming the wind already because I've planned my, my jump before the, the takeoff. But it's always good to have some time to release everything and be ready for the landing. Well, with 200 meters, you don't have a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, because the wing we use for base jumping is not going as, as fast as the parachute we're using for skydiving. The parachute we're using for skydiving is really made to fly and, and fly well. The, the parachute we use for base jumping is really like a truck, is not going fast forward, is really made to land safely, slowly in a little patch of grass somewhere. So it's really slow. And, and you land on your feet? land on my feet yeah <laughs> because now it's not like 20 30 years ago the parachute were not as good as uh, today today the parachutes are so good we can really land in small fields with really slow velocity so it's super easy to land with a parachute today and do many women do what you do now there is more and more women uh, that are doing what i'm doing but for sure, in the mountains, I'm uh, most of the time with uh, with boys, <laughs> as always. But uh, there is more and more girls that are wingsuiting. So when I go jumping from the plane, there is also uh, friends uh, of mine that are women, not only boys. Some of my uh, girlfriends are also now starting to, to jump from cliffs, but not only easy cliffs. They are starting to also go in the mountains a little bit further. So that's cool. There is a little bit more girl in the mountains. <laughs> now, I believe you've, you've jumped off the Matterhorn. Yes, I, I did open the, the Matterhorn, the summit of the Matterhorn, uh, in 2014. And it was repeated several times after I, I opened it. And I also went back last summer for my fifth jump of the Matterhorn with my husband, because my husband hadn't done it. So he was dreaming about jumping it. So I brought him there. <laughs> <laughs> so does your husband do the same as you do? <laughs> yes, my, unfortunately, my husband is so, is also a, a base jumper, but it's also a way for us to to share such incredible moments in the mountains, in the air, and we are flying together since I uh, would say over twelve years now. And he's got a really really big level, and I really trust him hundred percent. He's really a, a good flyer. Now, are you ever frightened? Yeah, for sure. In the mountains, if you're not frightened, it's it's not good. I think it's always good to think twice. That doesn't mean that uh, I don't do mistakes. It's uh, it's also really important to learn from your mis mistakes and the mistakes of the people around you and listening to the stories of what's happening. Also understand how to react differently if, uh, if something happened and train, train hard to have uh, always a... Uh, the good reaction when the moment needs to have a good reaction because when you're base jumping you need to have the perfect reaction in the next second 
do you need to be very fit to do base jumping? Yeah, you need to be really fit to be base jumping because you fly with your body. So you have to really feel your body really well if you are not fitting well into your wingsuits uh, because you also have to put your material inside and you don't feel like flying well. I can talk about myself. If I, After my pregnancy, for example, or when I was pregnant, I was still jumping for a while. And when I started to feel too fat, <laughs> I was not feeling good to fly anymore and just wanted to relax and uh, enjoy my pregnancy and the arrival of my baby. And after the pregnancy, it took me a while to, to be fit again and to be ready to go jumping. Well, that's a different take on the whole thing, Felice. I remember when you were pregnant with all three of our children, you skied and people thought that was pretty brave. But to be <laughs> base jumping, that's another world altogether. My doctor told me that I have to do what makes me happy. And what makes me happy is to be in the mountains. And my way to be in the mountains is snowboarding and base jumping. <laughs> wow. But and I your... stopped paragliding. <laughs> and your child? How old? He's 14 months now. And he's walking. He's a happy boy. And he loves being outside. <laughs> and ready for his first wingsuit, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. He did jump enough in my in in my belly already. <laughs> <laughs> and I know also going back to the mountains that you've also jumped off to Mont Blanc. Mm -hmm. Was that an interesting experience? Yes, because actually Les Drues was in 2012 and it was the first big mountain jump for me. At that time, the evolution of the wingsuits were good, but suddenly one prototype my my sponsor sent me made a huge step forward and uh, when i tried it i said actually now with this wingsuit we can we can jump jump big mountain not only just cliffs above the valley that are completely sheer and straight but we can fly over the mountains and climb big mountains with this one and he I, was kind of new and he told me actually uh, which one are you thinking about and I, I said that probably that Les Drues would be possible but then it made a lot of noise around it and a lot of people were telling me yeah but you know it's not possible Les Drues is not straight it's not sure enough to, to fly off this cliff and I decided to climb the Les Drues and to get to the top and laser the start to make sure that it would be possible to fly it. And before going there, I jumped with a GPS on my helmet to make sure that my flights were good enough to fly over the ledge of Les Drues. And after this big preparation, we climbed to the summit of the of Les Drues with a friend of mine, and we we did open Les Drues, and that changed a lot uh, into the sport because right after this, it showed that it was possible to fly off mountains, not only small cliffs, and a lot of other mountains started to be open around. So Le Brevent was open, Pendurier was open, Aiguille du Midi was open, a lot of other cliffs. And uh, in the road, then I started to look into my book and say, okay, let's go and start to check out the Matterhorn. Let's start to check out lots of different mountains. And the goal was to climb and fly. And then you've been a lot further afield. You've been to Baffin Island. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, what did you do there? Baffin, the, my first trip to Baffin Island was in 2007. And uh, we were a group of six. So I was with five boys. <laughs> and uh, our goal for the six of us was to ski and snowboard dance the fantastic couloirs you have in Baffin. Most of the couloirs are in be- between big cliffs and they are steep and they are so beautiful and they're ending up into the ice at the bottom of the cliff. It's it's the sea actually, but it's uh, just icy in winter. And beside these couloirs, these big couloirs, there is a huge cliffs uh, that are going above the sea as well. And they are going up to 1,000 to 1,800 meters. And it was a dream to, to be able to go there. So we spent nearly two months, six weeks, seven weeks on the ice in complete autonomy with a base camp. And we were starting from the base camp always to climb a different mountain and finally end up opening eight different cliffs uh, with our wingsuits. Up there between Greenland and Canada, it must be extremely cold. Definitely really extremely cold. (laughs) It was uh, some days minus 35, but hopefully not every day. We were having lots of good gear and so it was okay, but sometimes jumping in this kind of condition was pretty tough. So how do you keep warm when you're doing this? You have to move all the time. (laughs) You have to move all the time. And so when you are in the mountain, trying to gear up as well as possible, because when you are flying, you cannot take the big down suit or the big down jacket. You have to take the small ones to be able to fly into your wingsuit. And when you are at the base camp, then as soon as you get into your tent, you put the big warm uh, down suit like that. You're feeling like a penguin and you are getting the warm again. (laughs) Talking of penguins, you've also been to Antarctica and you've flown there as well? Yeah, exactly. We have a... First trip in Antarctica was in 2009, and our dream was to be um, to be the first one to open uh, a cliff there, to be the first one to base jump in the in the continent of Antarctica. So we did, and uh, we were there in uh, December 2009, and the first base jump we opened there was the day of Christmas, and we ended up opening two different cliffs on the Queen Maud land, uh, the Oltana and the Olstins. We also spent two months uh, in Antarctica in complete autonomy. And that was really special because uh, it, Baffin Island is the North Pole, Antarctica is the South Pole, and you imagine it could be kind of the same, but it's totally different. We were also in the period that it's, it was summer, so the sunlight is 24 hours. But actually, in Antarctica, it's completely different because uh, as soon as you are getting close to the mountains, so you are getting far away from the sea, and there is absolutely no life at all. So the only noise you're hearing, the the noise of the wind, and that's it for two months. (laughs) And you've also done something like this in Iran. Exactly. Uh, I was in Iran. uh, Actually, the... Club Alpin Francais and the Club Alpin Iranian. Both of the Club Alpin, they organize a climbing festival. And uh, as I have a lot of friends that are good climbers, they 
told me, yeah, you should come with us and maybe climb a route on that mountain because there is maybe a jump for you there. And I said, oh, okay, I come and check it out. And it was kind of cool because being being a woman and seeing how uh, women are, it's hard to say treated because um, actually the Iranians are not so much into into that politics to against the woman. And if you understand the whole story of Iran in the past, that was not like that at all. And they're all dreaming about this time to come back. So the time I spent in Iran was just fantastic. And the friendship I have there with the, with the woman I've met and the, the men I've met in the mountains is still really strong today. So I went back because in 2010, I opened the first wingsuit jump uh, on the Bizutun wall. And I went back uh, two years ago to jump again this mountain and did did few speeches for women in Tehran and in the, in the mountains. And I really had this feeling that the women are getting uh, more active and trying also to to push other women to be active in the sports and in different different movements. So you're also a light aircraft pilot. Yeah, a light aircraft pilot and a plane pilot and a mountain glacier pilot as well. I, I did a few years to be all that. but Where do you go and do that? Most of the time I, I go around my house because I have an airport uh, 40 minutes away from my house. And my ultralight plane is there. And uh, another plane I'm renting is also based at the same place. So... I'm, most of the time I fly my ultralight because I like to, to go in the mountains and land on the glacier with it. I clip my snowboard on my, on my ultralight plane and I go snowboarding. You fly into the, the mountains, land on the glacier, yeah. you uh, secure the plane, and then you climb up to where you're going to snowboard down? Exactly, yes. Uh, because of my ultralight plane, landing on the glacier means that the, I don't need to make all this... Uh, approach that is really long and not so easy sometimes because you get to really uh, long valleys and it takes ages to get to and because of my ultralight I get to a glacier really close to the line I'm dreaming to do with my snowboard and I land just at the bottom sometimes I sleep at the bottom of the of the line and I climb during the night to do the line because sometimes it's big lines of 2,000 meter denivelation or 1,500, and it needs to be in really good conditions early morning. So most of the time I fly, I sleep overnight with my plane on the glacier, and I climb during the night and I ride early morning the line. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Does your husband do the same thing as that, as that as well? He's a really good skier, but he says that when I go for steep lines like this, he'd rather stay with our baby because he's not so keen riding steep faces like I do. <laughs> yeah, so one of you has to stay with the baby anyway. Yeah, we have a really great nanny that is in love with our baby, but we also love to stay. Either sometimes my husband, sometimes I love to stay with my with my baby as well. So we both have activities that we love to share but we also love to have activities on each side when i go for steep snowboarding he doesn't want to come <laughs> you seem to take a huge number of risks here but they're very calculated risks you obviously know exactly what you're doing 
Yeah, because it's like, I don't know if you haven't been driving in different cars because you had children. So, you know, for me, sometimes driving a car, going in the city or being on the high road is more dangerous than jumping off a cliff because, I mean, we are alone in the sky. We take care of our gear. We are packing our own parachutes. We are checking our wingsuits and we are jumping off really a lot we training for that if you say that to most of the people they don't really understand or they think that i'm totally mad to say that but i think there is more risks on the roads than jumping off a cliff has anything ever gone wrong yeah for sure it was uh you have some days that things can go wrong but actually i think that's why it's important to be current into what you do When I decided to stop for my baby or when I decided to stop because of uh, an injury or something, I don't make one jump there, one jump there. When I stop, I stop. When I start again, I start again and I'm, and I'm current. It's the same when I go flying my plane. I don't leave my plane for one day and then I go flying again in the next six months. This is the best way to have an accident. So it's good to be current, but it's good also to be aware about what you can do. It's good to know exactly your limits. And uh, it's also good to just turn back sometimes. So what's your ambition for the future? In five years' time, you'll be doing what? I hope I will bring my baby in the nature. <laughs> and I hope I will be a, a good mom and, and be able to understand what he really likes, what he really needs. If it's not sport, maybe music or whatsoever. I really hope I'm going to be a good mom and I hope uh, my body will still be uh, good with me and bring me what I, where I want to go. <laughs> Is there an age limit for doing what you do? I don't think there is a real age limit. I think it's really your body that can probably stop you one day. So that's why I'm I'm really training and trying to keep my body in a good shape, having a healthy life, a healthy food, be fit. Everything goes together. And I have some friends that are still really good snowboarder or really good base jumper, and they are maybe 12, 15 years above me. So I have sometimes. <laughs> So presumably to make a living out of this, you have to rely upon sponsorship. Is that difficult mm -hmm. to get sponsorship? Actually, I never thought that that would be a professional snowboarder first. And then uh, because of uh, my career into snowboarding, I became a professional base jumper. But I had a normal job. I had a normal life uh, that you can call normal. I was working for Suisseur uh, when it was still Suisseur. <laughs> At uh, Geneva Airport, I was a red cap, a load controller, and I loved my job, really. When I received my first invitation to, to be part of the Baby Extreme, I thought that my life, 100% working at Geneva Airport with a training to be ready to go down such a steep face like the Bec des Ross uh, on the Baby Extreme, it would not fit together. And I asked to have three months off my job to be able to train hard for this competition, but they refused it. I thought, okay, so I have to choose in between both of this life. I cannot combine them. I can still find another job, maybe not this one. Uh, even I love it, but the Verbi Extreme would be once in my life. So I decided to quit my job. I find a job at, in a travel agency in Verbier. Every afternoon I was working from two to six. 
And that was not enough money to live in such a big ski resort. So I was also working as a really bad <laughs> waitress in a pizzeria at night until midnight. <laughs> But I could pay my bills and every morning I could go training from 8 to 1 p.m. So I was the happiest person on earth at that time because I lived in my dreaming place, Verbier. Every morning I was riding my dreaming mountains and I was going to do the biggest event of the world, the Verbier Extreme. And I would be riding with the riders. I have imposters into my room and I was dreaming to be able to ride with them maybe once in my life. So that's how it started. And the first Verbier Extreme I, I made, I won it. And that's how I, I had my first sponsorships. And after this first Verbier Extreme, when I had my first contract in front of me, they said, yeah, we want you to continue competing and do the Verbier Extreme once again. And I was like, yeah, it was a cool year. Thank you very much. But now I have to go back to work because I have no more money and I really need to find the real job. And they said, no, 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 but you don't understand. Here is a contract. We want to pay you to snowboard. And I was like, I don't know. I did not understand. So can you please explain to me what do you mean? <laughs> because that, at that time, no free rider were having really good contracts. And that was, for me, not a job. That was a passion. And my passion became my job. That sounds wonderful. So if, if people want to know more about you, where can they find out? Do you have a website? I have a website. My website is called geraldinefasnard.com and you can find me also on Instagram and Facebook. Can you spell your surname for people? So Geraldine Fasnard, it's F-A-S-N-A-C-H-T. I can even spell it in the pilot's way if you want. Fox Alpha Sierra November Alpha Charlie Hotel Tango. www.geraldinefasnac.com Exactly. Geraldine, thank you very much for appearing on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. We wish you and your husband and your baby the very best in the future with all your flying and snowboarding and wingsuit experiences. Thank you so much for having me and I hope I'm going to meet you in the future soon or maybe you come and visit my little paradise here in Switzerland, Verbier. That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week, stay safe. And I am you, you and me. It's just a crazy storm.